0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: Hi, Audings. This is the Something Scary Podcast. I'm your Ate Sapphire. If you hate hospitals, today's episode might leave you feeling a little sick. First, we'll hear from a mother whose son is tormented by a horrifying lady. Then, we'll visit a haunted hospital, prevent a young witch from becoming possessed, and then help a young girl transition into the afterlife. I receive hundreds of amazing story submissions every single week. The first story you hear is one that I've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the Dark Five podcast featuring Rachel Evans, available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And another friendly reminder that we just recently launched a Patreon for the video series and the podcast. So if you want to join the Something Scary VIP program, head on over to patreon.com snarled. So, wanna hear something scary? scary? My, My Lucky, lucky boy. boy. The following is based on a story submitted by Jason, told from the point of view of his mother. I always thought my son Jason was lucky. You know, he actually wasn't breathing when I gave birth to him, but after being what the doctor claimed legally dead for almost five minutes, he made a miraculous recovery. And ever since then, he's narrowly escaped death countless times. When he was still pretty little, he would choke on his food fairly easily, so I'd always have to watch him closely. There were times when he'd slip out from his high chair despite being securely strapped in. And all those times, I was right there to break his fall. I used to joke that Jason had a death wish. I began to really worry about him when he turned about five. One night, he came running into my room, crying hysterically. The lady is trying to get me! Oh, JC, it's okay. You were probably just having a bad dream, that's all. And it went on like this for the rest of the week. He refused to sleep alone in his room. Eventually, he also became afraid during the day. I would catch him muttering to himself, Please go away. Who are you talking to, JC? The lady. She won't leave me alone. Having nightmares was pretty common for a kid his age, and so was having imaginary friends. But I was starting to really worry about his mental health. He was losing sleep. He wouldn't eat. I could just feel him slowly falling apart. So I took him to a child psychiatrist. I watched from afar as Jason told the doctor about the woman who was tormenting him day and night. The doctor handed him some crayons and paper and told him to draw what the woman looked like. When Jason was done, he handed the paper to the doctor, who was visibly startled. He gestured for me to come outside the room with him to talk. I think there's a chance your child might be suffering from schizophrenia, he said. My heart dropped. I'd like to do some more tests with him if that's alright with you. So you think everything he's been talking about is just a hallucination? The doctor handed me the paper with Jason's drawing. I too was startled. My son had drawn what appeared to be a tall, thin woman with no eyes and blood dripping down from the top of her head. Her lips were completely torn off, exposing her rotting and chipped teeth. If this is who he saw every day, no wonder he was so horrified. Later that day, I called my sister. We didn't live in the same state, but we were really close and always kept in touch with each other. I was updating her on Jason about his freaky drawing and what the doctor said. My sister was quiet for a moment. Sis. I know you don't really believe in this stuff my sister said very carefully but how open are you to finding a more non-medical evaluation what the hell did that mean she then proceeded to give me the phone number of a woman named lana and told me to set an appointment with her as soon as possible so that weekend i brought jason with me to see my sister's psychic She was right. I didn't really believe in this sort of thing, but my sister offered to pay for the appointment, so I figured it wouldn't hurt just to see what this woman had to say. I was determined to get my son the help he needed. When we arrived at Lana's house, she greeted us at the door. She looked like she was in her 30s. Her suit was perfectly tailored to her body. Her black hair was flawlessly pulled back in a bun. She welcomed us into her home with a warm smile. I've never been to a psychic's house before, but Lana's place didn't look at all like what I was expecting it to look like. It was kind of normal. Very chic, actually. No crystal balls or animal parts in jars. Just clean, modern decor. She motioned for us to join her in the spotless living room. You have a very lovely home, I blurted out. Oh, thank you so much. There's just so much noise in my head that it helps to have a living space that doesn't add to the chaos. Lana looked into Jason's eyes. And you must be Jason. She continued to stare deeply and curiously into his eyes, and the longer she stared, the more faded her smile became. Have you ever had a near-death experience, Jason? He shook his head, but I interjected. Funny you ask that, he's actually had several from the moment he was born. What can I say, he's a lucky boy. But Lana's face made it clear that she did not agree with that statement. I usually try to break information delicately for my clients, but I think I need to be frank with you. When Jason died that first time, his soul was in another dimension. And while he was there, a woman found him and decided that she wanted him to be her son. Then when Jason was resuscitated, she was left alone and she's been trying to reunite with him ever since. This was not in any way what I had expected to hear. My sister had once told me the theory that when people have a near-death experience, they gain contact with the spirit world, but I didn't think that was true. Okay, so how do we get rid of her? How do we stop her from terrorizing my son? Lana shrugged. You already know what she wants. We left shortly after that. I texted my sister that she wasted her money on a fraud. I decided that we were going to continue the evaluation with the child psychiatrist and go about this the right way. Later that night, Jason asked to sleep in the bed with me, like usual. But in the middle of the night, I woke up to a tapping on my shoulder. Jason was standing by the bed, looking down on me. His face was incredibly calm. JC, is everything okay? I just wanted to say goodbye, mommy. Goodbye, where are you going? With new mommy. He gestured behind him, And for the first time, I saw her, the woman in his drawing. Don't worry, Mommy. I'm not scared anymore. The woman held out her hand and Jason walked over to her. I lunged out of bed and tried to grab him. But just as I reached him, he was gone. Just like that. I was a wreck. But after the reality of what had just happened sank in, I oddly felt relieved to know that he was no longer scared or suffering. I just wish, I just wish I could have saved him. Just one more time.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well.
1: And now, more Something Scary. This next story comes from Carrie, who realized that the hospital they were staying in had a dark secret. It all started when I was admitted to the hospital for my fourth cycle of chemotherapy. I was going to stay there for four days of treatment. I got settled in, unpacked my things, and got cozy for the night. I decided to get some early sleep since I was pretty shattered from all the traveling that day. As the hours passed, I suddenly woke up to the light in my bathroom turning on and off by itself at least a couple of times. I figured some of the power in the building was going off, so I went back to sleep. Then, another few hours passed. This time, I heard a loud thud in the bathroom. I tried to explain this one to myself, but couldn't. All my superstitions were going wild, but I finally got the courage to get up and investigate what that sound was. I looked in the bathroom, and my wash bag was on the opposite side of the bathroom from where I left it, like it flew by itself. I just put it back where I had it and quickly shut the door and went back to sleep for the night. That was just the beginning. Day two of my stay. I was sitting in my hospital bed watching TV, waiting for my chemo to be brought up to my ward. A woman entered my room. I assumed it was my nurse, so I introduced myself. Hi, I'm Carrie. My nurse smiled at me. Is there anything I can get you to make you more comfortable? Actually, yes, if that's okay. It's a bit chilly in here. Could I get an extra blanket, please? Of course, I'll be right back. I focused my attention back on the television. About 15 minutes had passed when another woman entered my room. Hi Carrie, I'm Linda. I'll be your nurse while you're here, so just let me know if you need anything, okay? Oh, I said, a little confused. Someone actually already came in to check on me. She's gonna bring me another blanket. Linda wrinkled her brow a bit and double-checked my chart. Hmm, okay, maybe we made a mistake, she said. I thought it was a little strange when the other nurse never came back with my blanket. That night was even harder for me to sleep than the previous night. My room was absolutely freezing and I could have sworn I heard someone whispering my name over and over in my ear. Gary. I couldn't fall asleep because I kept feeling a constant tapping on my head. I looked around to see if something was falling from the ceiling, but nothing. Day three of my inpatient stay. The night before had freaked me out, so I called my mom and asked her to stay with me for the rest of my stay. When she got to my room, she asked me if everything was okay. I told her about the weird things happening at night, and she tried to reassure me that it was nothing to worry about. I was in a stressful situation, and it was normal to have insomnia. As I was talking to my mom, the nurse entered my room. Not Linda though, the nurse who never brought me my blanket. She came over to the bed near where my mother was sitting. I saw my mom flinch a little. The woman then said, is there anything I can get you to make you more comfortable? The exact same thing she said to me the other day. Kind of weird. Um. Yeah, I never got that blanket. Of course, I'll be right back. But this time, she didn't leave right away. She approached me placed a finger on my wrist as though checking my pulse, and slightly shook her head. You poor, poor, sick dear. We'll get you feeling better in no time. And then she left, and my mom immediately let out a huge (sighs) breath. (sighs) Oh my God, I don't mean to be rude, but that woman smells awful. How are they letting her come to work like that? A little while later, Linda came into the room. I decided to ask her about that weird nurse that kept checking on me. There's another nurse who keeps coming into my room and asking if I need anything, but then she never comes back. And she smells like death, my mom interjected. I shot her a look and she shrugged unapologetically. Linda didn't seem to care as much as I had hoped she would. Oh, I wouldn't worry about her. She's, um, don't worry about her. Day four, the last day of my inpatient stay. And then in another four days, I'd have to come back as an outpatient. I was honestly so happy to be going home and packed all my things up early. I wanted to get out of there as quickly as I could when it was all finished. My chemo eventually came up from the pharmacy. Once my treatment was finished, I was just anxiously waiting for my discharge letters so I could get the hell out of there. Then I remembered that I left something in my room. So I went back up to go get it. I was looking on the bedside table when I heard someone come in. It was that nurse. One of her hands was behind her back. "'And where do you think you're going?' she said. "'Excuse me? I am being discharged.' "'No, no, 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 no. You are in no condition to be leaving.' She quickly approached me and pushed me onto the bed. Her rotten smell surrounded me. It was so horrid I could barely breathe. She held up her hand. She was holding a syringe filled with God knows what. (gasps) What are you doing? It was impossible to scream and hold my breath. Shh, 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 It's okay. This will make you feel better in no time. I closed my eyes and braced myself. Then I felt a warm hand grab me and pull me out of the room from behind. It was Linda. Who was that? I cried. Linda wrapped me in a hug and took me and my mother to the downstairs cafe to explain. This hospital had been around since the 1800s. Although it was renovated and updated in recent years, it still had the original structure of the old hospital. And in this hospital, several patients were dying of morphine overdoses, all of them patients of a nurse named Anne. The hospital staff began to question her. To make a deadly mistake like that multiple times was surely enough to make sure she never worked in a hospital again. But to their surprise, she didn't plead innocent. She admitted to intentionally killing these patients. According to her, she didn't think they were going to recover, so she did them a favor and ended their suffering. She was arrested and sentenced to death. But Anne's spirit continues to roam the hallways of the hospital, checking in on patients, trying to make their stay more comfortable. My mom and I were speechless. Most of our patients claim to see her, Linda continued but usually it's small moments here and there, just poking her head in and talking to them. She seemed harmless, so we just tell our patients to ignore her, but this was the first time she's ever been that physical with someone. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. Don't be sorry, I said. You saved me, and that's what nurses do. Thank you so much, Carrie, for sharing that story with us. Um, A lot of people in my family are nurses and work in hospitals and so they, they always have a lot of crazy stories similar to these and hospitals tend to be one of the most haunted types of buildings so I'm glad I'm never really in them that often.
0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: This next tale is a true experience from Shiloh about how they almost became the devil's bride. I'm a practicing Norse polytheist, a pagan, or as some people call us, witches. I converted after I came out of the closet and was rejected by the church I grew up in. No, I'm not an ugly green hag with moles and a pointy hat, but I do have an all-black wardrobe, but that's just a fashion choice. I'm the kind of witch that wears crystals and pendants to ward off bad energy and carries sigils in my wallet for good luck, health, and prosperity. I communicate with the spirits with tarot and cleanse my house with sage and incense. Most importantly, I never mess with magic I don't understand. Some people think I'm just some stoner hippie who believes in magic, but for me, paganism is very real. And so are the creatures we worship and the ones we fear as well. It was about two years ago, back when I still lived in Ohio with my parents, my college years, when life was far harder. I'm disabled and in the parts of Ohio where I grew up, people were often intolerant of people who are different. And, as an open pagan, I received the ire of a lot of good Christian homes. But for the first time, I had angered a fellow witch. One morning in July, I woke up viciously ill. I couldn't stop fainting and vomiting. I had no other symptoms, however, and no matter how much I vomited, my stomach never emptied. At first, I thought it was food poisoning, but when I looked at the symptoms, I only had one, that wasn't enough. It wasn't the flu, it wasn't a cold. I wasn't allergic to my meds. Something had to be wrong, something beyond physical possibilities. I spent days consulting other witches in my inner circle. Did a spell backfire? Was I hexed? What the hell could be going on? Eventually, we all came to the same solution. Someone was doing this to me. Someone who wanted me to suffer. A witch I knew in high school named Will asked if I wanted help figuring out what was up. He was a far more experienced witch than me and knew more about botany, exorcism, and other more delicate forms of the craft. We meditated together for days and scoured tons of books to figure out what was wrong. When I slept, I dreamt of a man tall and ugly, with wings like black tar. I saw myself draped in red, holding his hands. I was terrified, but calm. Who was he? Why couldn't I see his face? What did he want? When I told Will about the dreams, we drove to an apothecary run by a pair of witches, Matt and Melissa, who had been longtime family friends. They were much older than either myself or Will, and far more wise. We told them everything, and all of us came to the same conclusion. I had to be possessed. A devil's bride. That's what they called this type of possession, because I was basically being given away to an entity much more powerful than me, without a say of my own. Someone was angry with me and marked me as a soul damned to the hand of a demon. If the thing could kill me, it would take my soul and do with me as it pleased. The ailments ruling my life were its attempts to weaken me. I dare not speak the bastard's name, for such things would invoke it. So, what do I do? I asked them. The couple looked me in the eyes. I was scared. I wasn't nearly powerful enough to fight this on my own. Matt swallowed and said, You're going to have to force it out and send it back. Will drove me back to his place. We salted his room, set up an altar, and prayed to the gods for hours. We would need their blessings to have anything close to the strength we needed. For three days, we wove in and out of ceremony after ceremony, a war between the gods and the thing inside me. It felt like knives were wedged between my ribs and spikes driven into my palms. I was in agony. I was granted little rest, continuing to vomit throughout the days. I was beginning to give up hope. I was just so exhausted and could feel my body growing weaker and weaker. I started thinking we were complete fools. I mean, did we really think we could fight this thing on our own? Did I really think I was strong enough to beat it? It was so much more powerful than me. Maybe I should just accept my fate and give in. Then. At 10 p.m. on the third day, I suddenly felt a release. I no longer felt pinned to the floor, my chest no longer heaving, and my mind finally clear. It was gone. Will had trapped the thing in an amethyst geode. It radiated with a terrifying light, one filled with hate. We took it into the yard, shattered it, and buried the pieces, destroying its function as a portal. It couldn't come back, at least not that way. I haven't had the dream since we shattered that geode. My current boyfriend and I have our home protected with sigils and wards and have been happy and safe for the most part. I still don't know who hexed me. I don't think I ever will know. And I still can't help but wonder if that horrifying beast still wants what it was promised. Thank you so much Shiloh for sharing your story with us. That sounds absolutely awful and I'm glad that you're safe now and and I hope that demon never comes back for you. And now we've reached our final story for today. There is an animated version of this story up on youtube.com snarled. The story is called The Long Walk and it was submitted by KS. This is probably one of my favorite stories that I've ever done. Um, it's not necessarily scary or creepy, but um, it deals with the afterlife and death. And I don't know, I, I just remember reading the story for the first time and it gave me just chills all over my body. I was like, oh God. So I really hope you enjoy it. During a very cold winter when Kay was eight years old, she developed a very serious chest infection that hospitalized her. She was constantly coughing and struggling (laughs) to breathe. So the nurses advised her parents to leave her at the hospital for a few days. The walls of the children's ward were covered in happy cartoon characters, which made the rooms feel warm, despite the sterile smell. At the end of the ward, there was a single room with windows looking out into the ward. Inside was a small girl in a pink nightshirt and pajama bottoms with no hair and a drip hooked up to her small, thin arm. That's Amy, she's been here for quite a while. The next day, it was playtime after lunch. Kay pulled out some comic books that she had brought with her and caught a glimpse of Amy through her window. She waved the book to her and Amy nodded vigorously and motioned for her to come in. Can I go in her room? Kay asked her nurse. Of course, that's very sweet of you. Most of the other children won't go near her. Kay entered Amy's room and they instantly became great friends. Amy loved to sing and they made up silly dances to some of her made up songs. The day flew by and it was time for lights out. We're going to have even more fun tomorrow, Kay told Amy before heading back to her bed. Later that night, Kay was awoken by a small hand shaking her shoulder gently. She opened her eyes to find Amy, standing beside her bed. I need to go outside. Will you help me? Kay looked around the ward. There was no one else there. No kids, no nurses, just her and Amy. Before Kay could make sense of what was going on, Amy took her hand and they walked slowly down the hallway. The entire hospital was empty. Where was everybody? The clocks along the walls seemed to be ticking much slower than usual. What are we doing? Too scared to go on my own. I can't go alone. You were nice to me. After what seemed like hours, Kay and Amy finally reached the main entrance and Amy let go of her hand. Should I come too? Amy shook her head. It's my turn. You have to wait for your turn. Thinking it was a game, Kay asked if it would be her turn when she came back inside. Amy shook her head again, sadly. Are we still going to play together tomorrow? I don't know. You have to go back now. I'm not going back without you. I don't want you to get in trouble. You have to go back. Can't stay. Go Go back. back. For a brief moment, Kay turned around to look towards the corridor they came from. It looked so much darker than before. She turned back towards the entrance, but Amy was nowhere to be seen. Realizing she had no other choice, Kay made her way back to her bed. She noticed that all the clocks seemed to be stuck at 3.35 a.m. As she climbed back into her bed, Kay glanced over at Amy's empty room. What was she going to tell the doctors, the nurses, her family? The next morning, Kay awoke to the nurse clapping her hands to wake everyone up for breakfast. Kay looked over at Amy's room. The curtains had been drawn. As Kay ate her breakfast, Amy's parents came rushing in and she overheard the nurses speaking to them. What time did we lose her? 3.36 3:36 a.m. If you would like to submit a story, please send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. This podcast is also available in video form on youtube.com/snarled. Until next time, sweet dreams.